Welcome everybody to the Authentic as Fog podcast. My name is Sun. I'm a storyteller and marketer. And in this podcast, I talk to members of Night Owl Nation, my community, to help them with uh, entrepreneurship, storytelling, uh, personal branding, anything they need help with. So today we have AB. Welcome, AB. What's up, son? How's it going? How are we doing? So do you want to quickly like introduce yourself, where you're from, what you do, like what your business is? Sure, sure. So I am uh, A.B. Wright. I am from Ohio, uh, grew up in Atlanta and uh, now in back in the Midwest in Wisconsin. Um, spent a few years uh, playing and chasing the dream of uh, professional baseball, which was uh, was able to do that for a few years. Uh, transferred from that to uh, the military after a couple of years of figuring out what I wanted to do next. So I joined the Navy. Uh, this came af- actually after post nine 11. So it was, was more of a thing to, to serve my country and, and do something to, uh, something noble to uh, say that I, uh, was a part of something great and in the military took on, um, I'd say a lot of things that helped me build my character and, and find myself and believe more in myself. Uh, to the point that uh, a few years ago in 2018, I got out of the military uh, in hopes of continuing a professional baseball, but by way of coaching and instructing uh, players. And uh, pandemic hit in 2020. Didn't know that was happening. And uh, <laughs> that, oh, you I had no clue. <laughs> you didn't get the didn't memo? Get the memo. <laughs> and uh, that led to me trying to figure out what was next because uh, sports was impacted. I just, I was in my last year of, of school and I'm sorry, I kind of skipped a part, but when I got out of the military, part of that uh, journey of exiting was to go to school full time and finish my degree. And uh, that was, that's in um, sport management and a minor in coaching. So, but while I'm in that last, pretty much that last year, uh, I'm a, a coach, I'm a student coach. And uh, we get a call in for a meeting. And next thing you know, uh, NCAA has canceled the season. And I'm left there not really struggling to deal with reality like the players were. Some of them was in their senior year and they were hurt and trying to figure out what does life mean now. And eventually I was in that same place trying to figure out what life meant. And fortunately, I had been doing uh, YouTube. I had tried YouTube and doing content, making content that way. And and reels had recently been introduced in the past few years for Instagram. So I'd started doing video content there. And, uh, you know, God just told me, do what you've been doing. And that was when I thought about it, I was like, hmm, that's video. So I guess uh, baseball is done. I guess I'm finally done chasing <laughs> the dream of baseball and uh, got into video production. Um, I'm now in the place where I'm chasing uh, documentary filmmaking. So I'm working on some projects right now, Got it. but in the meantime, uh, I'd like to, of course, continue to, uh, grow as a filmmaker, as a video editor and, uh, grow my production studio. So that's what I'm doing now. Awesome. Well, yeah, that's, uh, it's, um, it's interesting how like life turns happen and then, you know, it, it kind of paves the way for you. Like for me, like, I, I don't know if you know this story, but I actually wanted to be a filmmaker like a yes. long time ago. And for me, what happened was in order to buy the camera, I started freelancing, making websites. 
and I actually enjoyed this more. <laughs> and I ended up doing this. And then in my agency, we, we ended up making videos for clients. So somehow, like all my filmmaking stuff that I learned came back. So I think life works like that in a way that, you know, like you were, like you were talking about, even like your experience with coaching and stuff like that, you know, and how that helps you like in leading a small group mm -hmm. or something like that. Right. Like everything we learn, I feel like nothing is ever being wasted. It, you can always apply what you learned to whatever new thing that you're going to be That's doing. That's true. So. That's true. And no, yeah. I didn't know anything about the filmmaking part uh, until uh, I joined your mailing list uh, yesterday. <laughs> and I got your uh, your email last night or yesterday evening, and it mentioned uh, your filmmaking journey and i was like oh, okay. oh man i didn't okay. i didn't know that i knew so much <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, or i knew some things there's about so you. many yeah there's so many random things like like i like that i did right that even to this day it still helps mm -hmm. me every, every day there's nothing that i learned that's not helping me right today. right so i agree with you i just wanted everyone to hear that so that whatever you're doing even if you're going the wrong direction you're not wasting your time. right right that's a fact <laughs> that's a fact so, you know, filmmaking is a, it's a tough career yes. because most, <laughs> you know, most people that I know that I've, that are in filmmaking, what, what, what they have is they have a day job mm -hmm. where they work as a producer for a TV show or, you know, as a DP for a film set. Mm -hmm. And then they, they have the dream of making their own film, right? So it, it, it sounds like you're in that similar boat where, there's a documentary film that you're working on. That's kind of your side hustle. Mm -hmm. And then you also have like a kind of a freelancing mm -hmm. or, you know, something else to kind of pay the bills. Right. right. And that's, that's, that's the life of a artist right, right. until this takes over. It is because you're funding your, your, your journey. You're funding um, your, I guess you'd say your love projects. And uh, mm -hmm. your creative projects that you really are putting your heart in to make happen. But, you know, even through that, having that passion, you have to generate the revenue somewhere. You got to generate the capital somewhere other than having exactly. investors uh, buy into a film or, or or invest into the film. But, yeah, we're not at that point. I'm not looking for investors. So I got to do the work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Is there any uh, questions you have for me or anything you're struggling with that you want to talk about today? I would say probably for me, the biggest thing that I want to do um, is share my own story. Um, I feel like in sharing my own story, even in using it for the one day doc. So I've got a, a contest or a challenge, one day doc challenge in my uh, film group and Instead of finding someone else to tell a story, I've got a million stories. Uh, I have my own unique story and I want to I want to share exactly what you were talking about a moment ago where you said uh, not to worry about the thing that you're doing. It may not make sense now. It may not seem like it's going to apply to the next part of the journey when you pivot, but they do. And that's what I want to draw or translate in my journey going from. You know, I don't know if I need to go all the way back to baseball. I'm trying to figure out where to start the story or how to tell it. But I am just trying to draw um, the 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 factor or the emotion of one, um, the belief in yourself, the love of yourself and being willing to try and just watch and see how it unfolds. And that's what has happened 
for me to even be here yeah. is to uh, to try so many different things that most people aren't going to try um, and, and be able to tell. That so story. what's a one day doc? Why, so, why did you call so it one, one day, day doc? doc is you're going to sh- basically create a documentary uh, from one day's worth of work. So if I'm shooting any any footage, uh, I can only do it in one day. Now, there is a caveat that if, in fact, uh, maybe there's the lighting was bad or maybe there's something where you do need to reshoot something, you can, okay. but uh, or or excuse me, you can on another day, but only if you need to do it that other day, but not multiple days. So that's why they call it a one day doc. So you you know Casey Neistat, yes. the YouTuber. Mm-hmm. So kind of like you know how he used to do those daily vlogs mm-hmm. back then, where it was basically like every single day it was it was like he was making a film, right? right? Like almost like a documentary film. So similar to that, like you're, or is it like, are you actually shooting a documentary, like going back in your past and that was my thought. And, and the funny part is, you saying uh, Casey Neistat. Uh, of course, I still watch anything that he posts, uh, much like most video creators and filmmakers um, that I know. I won. The the first thing I was thinking of was to uh, pull archival archival footage of you know events I've been to, things like that. Uh, kind of talk about certain things. I've actually uh, created a shot list and I've uh, completed some of those shots uh, to pull out some of the um the points i want to share about military the transition and things like that so i have gone from that angle uh but watching probably a recent casey neistat video and some other vlogs that i have watched remind me or or kind of uh nudge me to say i i may want to try it from that angle just do it as a a vlog style yeah no i like that i i I think there's tremendous value in doing vlogs because mm. like every day you're you're thinking on your on your toes right and you're figuring things out and there's like for me whenever I do anything creative it's important for me to have some sort of boundaries mm. like for example I need this done in a week yep. or you only have this amount much money to, to do it you can only use these locations mm. because when when you have unlimited options <laughs> that's when like we procrastinate. We actually don't do it's anything. It's got to be perfect. Like but when, weather's got to be exactly. right. Yeah. Yeah. But when you put boundaries on to a creative, what, what that does is it forces that person to be more creative. Do you understand what I mean? Exactly. And some some magic comes out of that. And okay. like that could be actually a, also a good way for you to, you know, show your mm-hmm. work so that it, it might even help you get uh, more freelancing gigs and things like mm. that on top of building your your kind of filmmaker brand, right? You just gave me it. I, my, my, my wheels are running right now. My wheels are turning. <laughs> I, uh, I'll i say this part, and, I'm, and now I, I know this is probably the direction. I think we're locking in on the direction. Uh, I went to, so I went to a University of Wisconsin Parkside. It's in the UW system. And um, it was in a classroom there that I was challenged to learn how to create video. I had been wanting to do YouTube for a a minute and, but I just did not have the gall to do it. Now this is the same person that's 
done professional sports and been in the military and done a lot of stuff that takes courage and commitment to it. And I just will not commit to getting in front of the camera. I'm, I feel like I'm gonna look like a fool, probably just like anybody else that has wanted to do video or create content. And in this class, we have a group project. And in the group project, we have our parts. It's a video project. And this girl, I can't remember her name, but but um, she says she basically delegates. She was the director and everything. She produced it the whole night. So she said, hey, you two get together. You're going to shoot on this day, do these parts. You two get together, do this. Me and him going to do whatever. And then y'all get the footage to me and I'll edit and do the soundtrack, do all that kind of stuff. And when the, when the final... Uh, piece came out and, and we we watched it in the classroom because I didn't even watch it before then. I was just like, wow. <laughs> was it that easy? It's not that it's that easy, but it was like it when I saw the process, I was like, it's not as hard as I thought it was, especially to get in front of the camera mm -hmm. and talk. So from that day, that was when I said, you know what? I got to figure out how, because I was amazed how, like, how do you put the voice over the the video and the sound and the music and all so i was like i gotta figure this thing out and i didn't bother to ask her i said i'm gonna yeah. figure it out so um yeah. well i love that catching yeah. up to recently. it's good that yo go ahead go ahead go ahead no, i was just gonna say catching up to recently I, I ran into that professor and i let her know that aside from me getting my uh degree uh me starting my youtube channel was because of that project because it challenged oh, me wow. to uh to do the project, to do the thing that I was scared to do. And when it forced me to do it, like you were saying, getting in this, this box, those small boundaries, when it forced me to do it, I did it, surprised myself. And now it, again, it has brought me to where, where I am today. So sounds like you had a um, five second yeah. moment there <laughs> where, where, where you kind of opened your eyes to, Oh, like I, maybe I can do right. this or something like that. Right. I love that because, um, you know, like I do everything in a very, like, for example, I learned how to code. I'm not scared of making bugs. Okay. And when in the beginning days of Night Owl, like if me and uh, another developer have a night, me and my friend has an idea, we'll just stay up all night and just code it that wow. night, right? And what I realized is that when we started hiring people from this corporate world, from, you know, Ogilvy, Google, like these mm -hmm. big companies that come in, and they would stretch everything out. They would be like, okay, oh, you want to you wanna build an app like that? It's going to take about two months of planning, you know, three mm -hmm. months of this, research. And I'm like, dude, no, <laughs> this is not going to take six months. We're going to do this by end of the week, okay? <laughs> like, I had to, it was impossible for me to get them to see. Mm -hmm. Because in this corporate world, that's how things, things, things move at snail speed. Like, so many any hands little thing it. you want to do. Exactly. Like anything that we're going to do, mm -hmm. add another year to it, right? Right. <laughs> so, but then when you're like a small team or a small company, you, you move quickly. You just, okay, oh, you like that? Let's just do it. Boom, 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 right? right. And the, the beauty of that is, you know, when once people come to us and they see us working like that, people are am amazed. Like, how, how did you guys do that in a week? That would have taken us three months to do. Well, it, it, it's taking you three months to do because in your head you told you told yourself that it's going to take three months, but as soon as you tell yourself that it's going to take a week, it's going to you'll figure out how to do it in a week. Right, and that's kind of how a lot of creative processes work. 
because like it, there's no room for procrastination. You, you're just gonna get ideas mm-hmm. faster. You're more of not you're not unafraid to just try shit and just mess up and you know things like right. that. So right. yeah, that's kind of how it how it works. Question: Is is Hello World <laughs> still the the test uh, string for coding? Yeah, that's Hello World is the first thing you yeah. learn <laughs> when you start coding it's your only job is to get it to say hello world that's it <laughs> well that i don't think we've talked about this either maybe we have maybe we haven't in night owl nation uh but yeah that was when i first went to college out of, out of high school uh computer science was was it and i took a uh, computer programming like in the first my freshman year which i think was a mistake I don't know why I got into that so soon, but um, Turbo Pascal, Java, C++, and I think we had, I think we had gone away from C, I mean, uh, Cobalt and Python by then, but, uh, but those were the programs that we used to test code uh, for uh, Hello World. So I remember that. I didn't do that great. <laughs> I didn't do that great in that class. Most people don't learn coding in school. Mm-hmm. So everybody that I know, that's a developer, mm-hmm. if they measure in computer science, they already knew how to code before gotcha. they went to school. So they, they started learning when they were gotcha. 12. You know what I mean? The people that didn't know how to code by the time they were 18 and they went to computer science program and they tried to learn how mm-hmm. to code, they graduate and they still don't know Got how it. to code. Got it. Well, um, here we go. And the reason why is because, <laughs> <laughs> because you know, school doesn't actually teach you anything. They just, they just teach you how to take, pass tests. Yeah. That's what they teach right. you. And, and the, the, so the people that knew how to code after their CS program were the ones that already knew. Because yeah. I think you need some sort of a, some kind of a grit, this desire to want to do that in order to be a coder. Because programming, coding has such a high barrier of mm-hmm. entry. Like there's just so much you have to learn before you can mm-hmm. really get into it that most people can't get past okay. that. It's, it's such a huge hurdle for most people to get past gotcha, that. Gotcha. So, well, I tried it. Yeah. I don't, I didn't, and I didn't know that going into it. I know that now that that's a, that's just yeah. one of those things, you know, prior to, and, but Hey, I tried it. I enjoyed it, but yeah, that, that wasn't for me. <laughs> and I, I also think this is the reason why most people think things take so long because usually when you do a project and, and you can probably, um, you probably experienced this through video projects mm-hmm. too, but even on programming websites and design, whatever it is, the first 80% takes 20% of the mm-hmm. time. The last 20% takes 80% of the time, yeah. right? And that's why w- what I always try to do is before trying to make everything perfect, I just try to quickly do the first 80% and 20% of the time to see if there's even something mm-hmm. here, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I feel free to throw that away. Right. And then if I feel like, okay, there's something here, now let's perfect right. it. Then I'll mm-hmm. spend the shitload of time afterwards to make it really perfect but making it perfect at the end you know even when you edit videos and things like that you can kind of put a rough thing and rough cut and you can watch it and it's like oh there's something there like the first 80 percent is there and it was pretty quick but then just to go in and fine-tune everything everything making perfect at the subtitle and all of that that's where it takes like the last you know 80 percent of the time you know it does you're right so you're definitely right so Start messy, like you said before. <laughs> Start messy. Yeah, it, it's the thing that most of us creatives struggle mm. with. Just 
you know, you hear people that are like, uh, oh yeah, just, I just, I, I created this NFT project and now I made a hundred million dollars. Mm. Or you see people that are saying like, oh, oh yeah, I just started, um, freelancing and I already got three clients. Like people just like do, do, do messy and boom, boom, boom. They, they, they become successful. Right. The one thing I think that holds us back as creatives are, are perfectionism and mm. our, our need to start perfect. That's the problem. And it's, it's really the biggest, yeah. yeah that's the, that's the problem. I know that was my hurdle for creating YouTube. Um, it was that I wanted to create a video like Casey Neistat, like Peter McKinnon, like um, I'm trying to think of some of my other uh, automotive guys, but I wanted to create content the way they uh, create content, crispy media. You know, I got into cinematic, you know, the cinematic mm-hmm. films and, and car content where uh, you go to car shows and, and uh, you create an after movie and it's just an amazing thing. You can't do that when you don't yeah. even know, understand the basics of the camera. You don't understand exactly those, things, those yeah. elements. Here's what I here's a, how the best analogy, like people say quality versus quantity, mm-hmm. right? And now people are saying like quantity leads to quality, mm-hmm. right? But what that really means is, okay, it's it's two completely different things actually. Because have you seen uh, this documentary called Zero Dream of Sushi? I've heard you. T- I think I've heard you talk about that, but no, I haven't seen that. Okay, so this Zero guy is like a eighty year old Japanese man who's been making sushi for over fifty years. Mm. <laughs> okay, and he he's his sushi place is considered pretty much the best sushi place in the world. It's the only, only sushi place that has um, three Michelin stars. Now, like that, that place is so popular that first it takes six months to even book a table there. And they only serve one party per day. So only, they only serve like 10 people per day. And those 10 people, are, they have reserved seating. They don't get to pick a menu. He just gives them whatever. But it's so perfect down to a T that when when they walk in, he knows like, okay, this is male, male, female, male, female. Like he he remembers the arrangement. He just by looking at how they pull out the chair, he knows if they're right-handed or left-handed. So so he'll make sure to put the sushi on this side versus this side. And if it's like a female, they, he makes it a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. And so he like everything is perfect, right? And a lot of people think that, and then let's compare that to like some uh, like Whole Foods, where they just pump out a bunch of sushi all day long, right. right? Okay. Now, yes, in that sense, this is focusing on quantity and not quality. And Jiro is focusing on um, quality, not quantity, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of people look at that and be like, oh, yeah, quality over quantity, mm-hmm. right? But here's the truth. The truth is Jiro got to where he is through 50 years of quantity. <laughs> Do you understand right, what I mean? Right, exactly. So that's what we should be remembering is that in order to get to Jiro's yep. level of quality, not quantity, you actually need a shitload of years of quantity. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what starting messy with the podcast, with Instagram, with YouTube is, right? You start messy today. And then five years from now of making videos every week, you're going to reach the point where you have quality and you don't, you you know, through that quantity of making videos. So the quality is not 
make it quality today. Right. The, the quality is we're going to keep doing quantity right now. So eventually we can get to the Correct. quality. So that's how I would say it. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. That's spot on. Because like whenever somebody says, oh, it's all about the quality, not quantity, I'm like, you, don't, you just don't yeah. get it, do you? Like, the only reason why I'm making quality websites right now is because I've been making shitty websites for 20 <laughs> years. <laughs> right. It, it's so easy, it seems like, for people to miss the journey. Um, there's so much in the journey that carries over to who you eventually become. And even who you, who you become today isn't who you're going to be tomorrow because everything we're doing now in these next five years, 10 years, you know, God's will that we are here, then that's going to bless us to do whatever that next thing is that we take on in the, in the journey. So yeah, it's definitely the, the quantity. That's why I don't understand. Like, I don't understand people that are like, I think the reason why that happens is when people, usually when people are inspired to be filmmakers, Mm You know, they've seen the Hollywood set with the big, nice, big cameras with the crew and the celebrities. And they, they see that and they're like, oh, yeah, that's what I want to do. I like, I, I like the energy, blah, blah, blah. Like they, and they think that they love the process <laughs> of filmmaking because they're, they're in the set and things like that. But the thing is, if you really, really love filmmaking, you'll be shooting films every day with your iPhone. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? That's a person who really loves filmmaking. And that, and if you love shooting film with your iPhone every single day, because you truly love filmmaking, not only are you going to have amazing time every single day, but those are the people that eventually end up becoming Casey Neistat Mm -hmm. or Steven Spielberg or, do you understand Mm -hmm. what I mean? Not the ones that are like looking to be like, I want to be like Steven Spielberg, but today I'm not shooting anything because... I want to wait till I get the perfect camera. Mm-mm. I want to wait till I get the perfect set, you know? Nope. And if you, in that mentality, I, I think that person will not last because the road to success is so long and so, so hard that if you're waiting for that, like if you're, if your only goal is to get a six pack, you're most likely going to give up because it's going to take you years to get a six pack. You know what I mean? Mm. And at some point, you're going to quit if you don't truly enjoy the process. You, just, of you it. made me think about. Uh, you talked about the iPhone. Of course, it's it's right here. But I didn't have this when I started the journey. <laughs> I actually have a, I think it's a GoPro Hero Four Black, and that thing is beat up now. But I started with that, and oh nice, and yeah. the thing got to the point that it just would shut off. It would overheat and shut off in the middle of me recording. But I, at that time, did not have the money to invest into a camera. So I just kept using that and just using that to get better and to get better with editing, editing, uh, the footage. Because you enjoy the process of capturing something Mm -hmm. and telling a story with it. It's not the camera. It's not the lighting. That's, you know, and that, that's exactly actually how I started. I built my entire um, agency, like all, all the portfolio that I made when I started my agency. I did it with like a used piece of shit MacBook <laughs> that I bought on Craigslist. And I used that for, I, I, I beat that thing up for like four <laughs> years. And all, all the portfolio that I made, I made it on that thing when I started Night Owl. So 
yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I want to see from a creative, mm-hmm. like doing it like the, the, the gritty ghetto fabulous right. way. And if, if you lo- enjoy, if you love doing what you're doing with that, yeah. then you have what it takes to survive the hardship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? yeah. I know I'm in the right place. Uh, I, I knew it <laughs> beforehand, but the confirmation definitely is today because it's, it's definitely in the process that I enjoyed the most and yeah. seeing the results after all is said and done. And it's like, you know, yeah. it's like watching your favorite athlete or your favorite um, uh, movie star entertainer and loving the work, you know, loving what you see on film or loving what you see on the field on, on the court, but not taking an account of what goes on behind the scenes and saying, you're going to do the same thing until you start doing two a days or you start, or you get on a set and realize you're sitting around for hours upon hours before you shoot the next scene. And you're doing that for months. And exactly. it's like, if you yeah. are not ready for that part of the process or you don't enjoy that Here, part of the process, the thing, right? hang it up. So many people at night owl, you know, there, there are people that's, go up, leave Night Owl and start their own agency and they're successful. And there are people who are not. And the people who are not successful are the ones that are looking at where we are, mm. right? Night Owl. And they're like, oh yeah, I want that. That's where I want to be. I, like, I think I can do it. And they go out. And what they don't realize is in the first year, when they're barely making money, they're struggling with money. So they're, they're, they're struggling to pay the bill. In the meantime, Clients are yelling at them <laughs> and client leaves and you have to keep kissing ass to this client to get you. Like once they get in the thing and they're like, son, like, what should I do? This is so, this is so hard, blah, blah, blah. Why is it so hard for me? Blah, blah, I'm like, you know what? That's exactly what I went through in the first three years. So you know how they say business is hard? Like you need failure. Failure is what leads to success. Mm-hmm. This is what that means. Literally. <laughs> when they say it's hard, <laughs> this is what hard looks yeah. like. And, and a lot of people don't realize it until they start mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, this is a lot. like, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I, I really hate it when somebody says I want to be a chef, mm. but they don't like cook for their friends mm. or somebody who says that they want to be a singer, but they don't, they don't sing like in front of like they're in, in a birthday party or, you know what right. I mean? Like, I'm only going to sing if I'm on stage, you know, winning the Grammy or I'm only going to cook when I'm cooking for a five-star, you know, restaurant. Right. Yeah. That's not, that means you don't really want to be no. a chef. If you really want to be a chef, you would love making grilled cheese for your friends. And you're doing it already. Most times exactly. they're, they're you're, doing you're it. probably already yeah, doing they're it. they're already doing mm-hmm. it. You know, the ones that become a chef or, or um, you know, create, you know, make That's food. True. They're not really worried about the price. Right, right. Because they're having so much fun. In the process. Doing the mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> They're not even looking at that, really. That's just a bonus right. for them, right? Right, right. That's good. That is good. Yeah, man. That is good. Wow. Um, yeah, uh, that's... You know, <laughs> Go ahead. You got it. You remember when we were talking about the 80-20 mm-hmm. thing? 80-20 thing? I just want to bring that up because a lot of freelancers also don't understand okay. this. Like, They think that like... A lot of creative think that, oh, I need to be a starving artist or something mm. like that, right? And, but then they look at somebody like Banksy or they look at somebody like that's really successful artist, like 
people or mm-hmm. something like that. And I want to be like them too, right? But the thing is, the reason why they got there is because they're also smart oh. in business. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I, I, one thing that I want to really advise, you know, obviously this is not for everyone. Of course, you can be like uh, J.K. Rollins, who you can be homeless and just putting all your time into uh, your craft and have success that mm-hmm. way too. But just remember this. J.K. Rawlings could have easily become just homeless too, right? She, she got lucky and she, you know, she really like, you know, put, put, it, put in her work and things like that. But there are a million J.K. Rawlings out there who did the same thing, mm-hmm. who didn't have that success. Yeah. They're probably homeless mm-hmm. now, right? So what I always tell people is the 80-20 rule because 80% of your time as a creative should be spent on the thing that's going to make you money, that keeps you going, that's going to build your career, whatever it is. And then 20% of your time should be spent on the completely what you want to mm-hmm. do without any regard for money, um, mm-hmm. just purely because you love it. And that's the only way one day this 20% could become 80%. Mm-hmm. But when that 20% becomes 80%, now, now you have a new 20%. Here's why. For me, when I had a nine-to-five job, my nine-to-five job was my 80%, right? That's the thing that pays the bill, bill every two weeks, right? And then I was freelancing on the side because that was mm-hmm. fun. But once freelancing became my main thing, that became bore, boring. And the reason why is because even if I love to design, once somebody starts paying me for it, because nobody, what I loved about design is something doing completely new, right? So here's a new, here's the thing I did last time. Okay, my next project, I'm going to do something completely different. Mm-hmm. And I, when I do something completely different, I'm learning, I'm making mistakes, and I'm figuring, and that's what's exciting about it, right? Mm-hmm. If I was just doing the same exact thing I did last time, that's boring because I already mm-hmm. did it. <laughs> and, but imagine doing the same thing 20 times in a row, 30 times in a row, right? But here's the thing. Nobody wants to pay you to, to try something new. That most clients are going to come to me and say, hey, I like what you built for this person. Mm-hmm. Can I get the exact same thing, right? Or something similar. So most times when, when somebody's paying you, they're paying you because you've already done it a million times <laughs> and they, they know mm-hmm. you can guarantee do it again, right? But those are the things that are boring. So no matter what you do, by the time somebody pays you for it, it's going to get boring. Mm-hmm. So that's why mm-hmm. you're 20% once it becomes 80, it's always going to be there. And then you're going to have a new 20%, right? So for me, that's okay. Now I want to start my own agency, right? But then once my own agency becomes 80%, it's like, now I want to start Night Owl Nation. Mm. Well, you know, and then once I, at Night Owl Nation, once everything is, maybe what I want to do is I want to ha- add a retreat in Night Owl mm-hmm. Nation. Maybe I want to add a new, new, new thing within Night Owl Nation, right? So, in your, throughout your career, you always have that 80-20. There's never going to be a time when you're doing what you want to mm-hmm. do all day, every day, 100% right. of the time. Right. Um, even Kobe Bryant, even, the, even Tiger Woods, like the best athletes in the world, their 20% might be playing in the NBA Finals or playing in the PGA Tour, mm-hmm. right? The, those moments and they win, they get all the press and they get all the... Yeah, there's that 20% of the time, but the 80% of the time is 
him 5 a.m. going to the yeah. gym, going to the yeah. workout, right? Doing those drills. Um, if you're a celebrity, like doing those tours, press tours, mm -hmm. where you know you're just talking to people and signing autographs, like you have to do that 80 percent. Otherwise, you know you mm -hmm. can't. You don't get to yeah. do the 20 percent. Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of accept that early on in my career and said, mm -hmm. uh, um, and I think we talked about this before in your podcast where remember I told you about that guy in, in the Navy SEALs who would have two cases of beer yeah. in the waiting line and he can put it mm -hmm. down. But in order to train his discipline, he would hold, hold it and see how long he can hold mm -hmm. it for it, something like that. So I had to learn to love the grit. Mm -hmm. I had to learn to love, um, and the way I did it, and maybe this, this might help you. Maybe this might help someone. I hopefully this helps all the creatives and all the freelancers out there. We tend to get our pleasure from and, and our happiness from the work. Mm -hmm. For example, oh, I did something, this amazing thing, right? And then once we show it to our clients and clients are like, no, I don't like it. Can you just go back to the old one? Then all of our experience, we're like, oh, this fucking client doesn't know what he's talking about. Or, you know, we, we make it perfect. And the client's like, can you make the logo bigger? And can you add red here? And can you make this? And once you do that, it like messes up the design. And we're like, oh, our <laughs> life is over. Like, you know, this, right? And we put so much emphasis on that, right? But what I had to do was, because I was serving clients, I had to switch my brain and say, okay, my goal now is not to make the most beautiful design yep. for this client. My goal is to put the biggest smile on his face or her mm -hmm. face. So what I used to do is like, we had a client a long time ago. We were building an e-commerce site for her and she wanted this, she's selling t-shirts. So she wanted this feature where you can zoom in and there's a magnifying glass so you can see the thread mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And this is back in uh, maybe 2003, 2004. There was no Spotify. There's no plugin that okay. can do this for you. Like, if I want this, I had to learn how to code and do it myself, right? So what I did was I spent a week learning how to do it. And then I didn't tell her. Mm. I just did it without telling her. And then on the day we, we, when I was presenting the website, I still didn't tell her. I just showed it to her. And then she just happened to roll. She's like, oh, my gosh. Because I told her that we couldn't mm. do it. And then I surprised her, right? And, and here's the thing. So what I was trying to do is because my goal is to make, put the biggest smile on her face, mm -hmm. I would constantly come up with things like that, right? When I was working with our employees uh, for Christmas, we bought all of them these gifts and we kind of spied on them for like <laughs> a month to figure out, oh, what is it? Oh, she's trying to get an espresso machine. Okay, let's order an espresso machine with like, uh, six months worth worth of capsules. Mm -hmm. Or we found the perfect gift for each person, and when they opened that gift, it was like, "Oh my gosh, how did you know I wanted this, son?" And that details. So just putting the smile on their face and just being of service, kind of like how a parent is always serving their ch their children. Mm -hmm. That's where we, if we put our joy there, then you can do this eighty percent without being miserable. Mm -hmm. Because okay. you, you, you've reframed your mind to, to say, my goal here in the 80% is not to make the most amazing design, not to make the most amazing video, but to make the client as happy as they can. Hmm. And when they're happy, they're going to make you happy. And it's like, you know, just that happiness is like a, 
it, it, it spreads. It's contagious. Right. You know? right. That's a great reminder <clears throat> because my goal is to, through content, you know, whether it's uh, creating shorts or, you know, taking their, their long form content and editing shorts for them um, or, or other vertical content for them. Uh, also to be able to tell stories for, I don't know if they wanted to do a piece on a testimonial or do a piece on an upcoming uh, project pertaining to, I don't know, some feature wear or feature product. And mm-hmm. although, even though that's my desire, this reminds me, this is a good reminder to remember that uh, I don't want to get lost in what my desire is for the client or my desire to produce for the client. Exactly. To also just remember that there's a service that uh, they're paying me for and to uh, just make sure we're getting getting that as best to yep. the spec that they want. And I do have to remember that customer service component because I spent so many years in customer service too. But uh, that was kind of the thing that kept me from wanting to even do uh, create a production company or do that because I was so into the craft, so into the process of creating and telling stories. So, um, yeah. Well, that's your, what's your 20% is right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Your 80% is to make them happy. And sometimes they might look like, they might want a piece of shit design, but they just want it by tomorrow. That's a fact. <laughs> and and the way to make them happy is to give them <laughs> that piece of shit design. But instead oh. of delivering it by tomorrow, I'm gonna deliver it by tonight. You just reminded you me. You mean? just reminded me of something. And my my good friend uh, Jeremiah, I served with him in the Navy, and uh, he got out uh, not too long after I did. And in during that time period of us both transitioning uh, in between. <sighs> military to civilian life i when i did buy my camera after using my gopro for i don't know how long a year uh, i did buy a sony a6000 and at two lenses the whole nine open box at at best buy and i'm like man this is the greatest thing ever uh so i'm i'm using it more so to shoot uh photography uh, automotive photography particularly uh i did a video at a uh, I went, I was driving by a, um, a dealership and I saw a Dodge Viper and I saw a couple of exotic cars out there and I did a U-turn, came back around and I just immediately did a, a vlog about the cars that I saw that day. So I posted the, the video that same day and I want to say the GM or someone saw the video and they reached out. First off, they loved the video oh, wow. and uh, they wanted to talk. They wanted to talk about creating content. And I'd say sometime that next week I went to them. We, we talked about content, but they also wanted, realistically, they wanted someone to shoot photography, car photography. And then they wanted, of course, to put it on their, their website to sell the cars. So I go back to the bay and we they wanted some test shots. So I do some test shots, show it to them. And uh, they want to work. They're, they're ready to work. And I remember coming back another day because we were going to talk basically contract and money and all the, the legalities. And I remembered him saying, because I was talking about the quality of the, the photos, and mm-hmm. I remember him saying that, oh, don't worry about editing, because I think I had told him, hey, I need to, you know, I need to edit some stuff out and, you know, do the thing, you know. Um, and he was like, oh, no, don't worry about editing. As long as you follow 
these type of shots because they got you know several different angles you got to get yeah. and all of that. And like, as long as you follow that, we are good. Just upload it. We'll check it off and we pay you. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, no, you're not going to be putting out crappy work. And then people are going to be pointing back to me and saying, and I'm getting all in my feelings <laughs> because in the um, in the uh, paperwork, I guess in the uh, disclosure, it does say that the photos becomes there. So I don't I'm forgetting I'm not even going to get any credit for the photos. But in my mind, I'm taking all this credit for the photos. I'm like, man, you're not going to yeah. show the world this crappy work. Now they're looking at me saying, this was your work? You didn't even bother to edit the stuff. So yeah. uh, That's the difference between an artist and a producer. Like, like when, when I'm working on these projects for big companies, mm-hmm. we're the production shop. We're just there to produce stuff for right. them. And it's not like I'm going to put my name behind it. Like, I don't even put this shit on our portfolio. <laughs> right. I don't want anyone to know that we even worked on it, right? But it paid the it bills, paid right? The bill. It paid the bills yep. so that we can work on these projects, which, you know, like Mel Robbins, mm-hmm. Jay Shetty, right? These, uh, or when we did something um, with, we did something with Swap Model. Mm-hmm. Like, there's these keystone projects that are amazing we did where we lost money, mm. right? But, this is what's able to give us these projects, mm-hmm. right? This and this is where I'm able to flex my my design skills. Right. This is where I can show off, like, oh, look what we did. But I don't want anybody to see this. I, like, till my my dying days, I I don't want anyone to see this, right? And and another thing that you actually just reminded me of is a lot of new young freelancers don't know this. You're not young, obviously, but uh, when you get in the fr- freelancing world. Actually, the best way, if you want to get to the top, the best way to do it is exactly what you did is by going to a car dealership or something like that and making these amazing work for free <laughs> mm-hmm. first, right? Going to some restaurant and say, hey, can I make this for you? And making, and I've seen, even seen people do this on YouTube, mm-hmm. right? And just do a few of these where you, you, you catch their attention and they'll hire you. Maybe they won't even pay you that right. much, but you got this one client where you're doing amazing work for them. And then another car dealership sees that. Yeah. And they're like, oh, can you do that for me? Oh, can you do that for me? Can you? And then this is how like freelancing career mm-hmm. really gets built. So that's why I'm not a big fan of like somebody saying, don't ever do free right. work, right? But actually doing a couple of free works up front mm-hmm can actually end up making you a lot more money on the back, on the end. back end. Right, right. Well, <laughs> what well, case in point. That's how it's worked for right. us. Right. Well, case yeah. in point for that one, it wasn't paying a lot of money. So I didn't necessarily like scoff at the, the amount of money. I did realize it wasn't paying a lot, but I, I was, I'm in a position where that didn't matter at that, you know, at that time. And, mm-hmm. uh, plus you love cars. Plus I love so cars. So it was a win win. And they knew yeah. that they, they knew I love cars. I'd already talked about it. They seen my, my YouTube channel and, all the other stuff. So they already knew, oh, okay, we definitely got a winner. Love cars. So it was an easy pitch. But imagine this, right? Uh-huh. Imagine you shot free of charge an awesome commercial for them. Right. Right. Or let's say you went to uh, some car event and you made this like music video style 
trailer right. or something like that for for a big event, right? For free, mm-hmm. they didn't. Maybe maybe you they didn't you didn't get their permission. You just did it yourself. You just went bought a ticket, went there, and you just did it mm-hmm. yourself. And then you put it up, you tagged them, and they saw it. They're like, oh, I love what you're doing. Can you do it on our next mm-hmm. event? We'll pay you. Right. Right. This is how you build business. Correct. You know. So, yeah, I mean. Like, that's kind of how I did it. I didn't have a plan when I started. I didn't really have anything. I just, I just dove in and I just did right. the things that I love, the way I, I love to do that. Right. And eventually it led to business, right. you know? Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think here. The thing, the one thing I'll say out of this conversation that you made me realize, looking back on that, was the thing that Jeremiah was trying to get me to realize, too. He was trying to get me to realize that it wasn't about the artistry. It wasn't about the creativity. It was more so about the opportunity. He said it. He said more so about the opportunity because you don't know what it's going to lead to down the line. Exactly. And I just being stubborn was just stuck on creativity. I was like, nah, I can't do it. Plus, I want to do video. I didn't want to <laughs> shoot. At that point in time, I didn't want to shoot photos that I wasn't going to edit. I did not understand the concept of what was actually happening. I don't necessarily regret it. It def- definitely was a uh, a moment to learn from as we're talking about it now. But yeah, that's that's that thing where you've yeah. got to separate again. What you you're making me realize right now is understanding the opportunity and separating yeah. the creativity and separating from, the eighty from the yeah twenty yeah, percent. Yeah. Right? Like I, I'm I I guarantee you even now. The, the top designers, top filmmakers out there, even the biggest directors out there, right? Like, you know, like, um, there's a episode of, uh, you know, Masterclass mm-hmm. that Martin Scorsese directed. And, and even the top, top, top people right now, there are certain projects that they do for money, mm-hmm. whether it's shooting a commercial or, you know, something like that. Where it just pays so much money that they knew it and they're not proud mm-hmm. of it, right? But it pays the yeah. bills, right? So, you know, you, we have to always remember, we think that, oh, these top guys, all they're doing is they, they just do projects that they love. No, that's mm-hmm. not true at all. <laughs> like, uh, you don't see what's behind the screens, you know, behind the, behind the. I can imagine you say that. I can imagine. Have you seen the, uh, the Diddy commercials? Um, no. man, I can't remember who, whose uh, product it is. Oh, I can't think. I want to say it's no. I want to. Say, I'm trying to say it's like it's not Carmax. I can't think of who it is, but it's some commercial <laughs> that they're doing, and it's uh, I, you I know, know what you yeah. Mean. It's like that's not something I would have thought. Why Puffy are you would doing have that? Done. <laughs> you would have yeah. done that. <laughs> like you, you really need the money, huh? <laughs> like or like you know, you know, Brad Pitt is like uh, pretty famous in Asia for doing all these ads. Uh huh. But none of us know that, right? He's doing all these cheesy ads in Japan and China. No, it's because they're paying. They're that, paying the money, you know? right? If right. They're paying a million dollars for a thirty-second one-day shoot. Oh. Like he's gonna do it, and it's that. And without that, like he can't maintain this exactly. lifestyle of exactly. <laughs> doing the Fight Club, and you know what I mean. Exactly. So I, I realize <laughs> so, you've like, got to uh, again. You've got to be willing to put in the work, um, mm-hmm. and to put in the work for the generate revenue or build the capital so that you can invest in your passion project. So I definitely understand that. Think of it this way. You don't do the work to make money. Mm -hmm. 
you do the work, this work, mm -hmm. so that you get to do this yeah. work, right? Like Brad Pitt is doing those cheesy commercials, so he gets to make Fight Club mm -hmm. for a very little bit of money, mm -hmm. right? Because you you know usually those the films that are the most artistic, the the best performing ones are usually the low, low budget, budget films, yeah. the low mm -hmm. budget. You know what I mean? So because you, they get you on the yeah, story. The, and not all the, the other exactly. glimmer and shine. And, and they get to really let their performance mm -hmm. out, right? Whereas in some PG-13 safe movie, they're going to be like, I'll oh, keep it, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's going to be a lot of like, you know, like restrictions. Yeah. So think of it like that. I'm doing this so that I can get to right. do this. Then I got you. you're not going to try to do the same work here as you I do here. You. Like you, you know, your intention is. To I do. got you. Thank you. I appreciate that. That was, a and moment. it makes your life a lot easier. Because <laughs> if you try to do this like this, you're gonna have a heart attack. Oh, <laughs> you know I mean? That is good. Thank you. Thanks, son. I appreciate yeah. that. That was definitely a. I feel like that in itself was a five second moment. Jeez, that was a five second moment. Uh, good takeaway. Yeah, great takeaway. I hope. I hope all the freelancers are watching yeah. this. <laughs> Thank you, and I appreciate the encouragement because, like I said, this is another thing that um and if i didn't say it i'll say it now but this is the the freelancing part was the thing uh and using up using my production company you know is a thing that i've been wanting to do but yeah. i couldn't separate the art or the love yeah. from just doing the work and and for me i will say the struggle or the handicap not even struggle the handicap more so was i'm not in a place, and this isn't to, to toot my own horn or anything like that. I've, I've been blessed to be in a place that um, I, I'm taking care of, can take up, take care of things financially, and I'm not necessarily hurting. But I think that's the handicap that doesn't allow for me to push harder or have pushed harder to do it. So, oh, uh, I see what you mean. It's like a blessing in this right. sense because you're you're not really stressed out financially, right? So and that took some you know, work, you, though. You don't have as much of a struggle. And I'm gonna say though. this: that took some work. But yeah, I mean, I, I think you point. know, kudos yeah. to you because to I feel like most people nowadays are like so not worried about that uh, financial security, and they're just so they're just all about uh, following my passion that they're living paycheck to paycheck, and it's like mm -hmm. it's so hard for most people, right? And so the fact that you were able to, you know, get yourself into that situation is already a huge like now. Now what you got to do is instead of 80 20 mm -hmm. maybe you make it 50 50 something, something. <laughs> or maybe but I, yeah, you know, but, but, the, but but you still got to push still got to right? push like, yep, yeah still got to push yeah. and um yeah it's it's uh yeah that's actually much harder it's hard it's the reason why you know it's how do you stay hungry right cuz exactly. when you look at Jay-Z when you get, when you look at some some of the top performers mm -hmm. what makes them different than the one hit wonders are that it's easy to be <laughs> going all in when you're hungry because mm -hmm. you're really hungry. Really hungry, right? But then one, once you're in that private jet, you got the mansion. Like, can you work as if you're just as mm -hmm. hungry, right? And that's what most people can't do unless they truly love what right. they do, right? Right. And I truly love so it. You're yeah. in that place. So, I definitely yeah. love what I'm doing, and I will definitely um, revamp my uh, thought process around how I approach the work and how I approach yeah. um, clients because now after yeah, we've, yeah. we've talked, I'm ready to, <laughs> I'm ready to start uh, looking for clients. I'll say this. 
what one last thing this is not necessary for you but for all the listeners sure. if you are doing the 80 20 thing when you're on this when you're wearing this hat you're a businessman when you're wearing this hat you're an artist so make sure you take off this hat when you go here and put on your businessman hat mm-hmm. <laughs> so the way you think the way you approach everything is totally right. different so. right all right, AB. Well, thanks, son. I appreciate it's it. It's been a pleasure talking to you again, as always. It is. Hope to see you this Sunday. Yes, I plan to be there. <laughs> awesome. Good old Sunday service. And thank you all, everybody, for listening. Thank you. And I'll see you guys next week. Thank you all. Cheers, everyone. Thanks. Bye.